Gentlemen, to episode number 25 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Fox Sports broadcaster Adam Alexander as we continue our Championship May series. But before we do, a reminder, as always, we're presented by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. David Starr joins us right now. David, how are we doing this week, man? Fresh off uh, not too great weekend at Dover, but nonetheless onward and upward, right? Absolutely, man. It was good to be back home. I uh, was gone for about 12 days, went to Darlington, left Darlington, South Carolina, flew up to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, hung out with Missy and Rich Fix with Alarm Tech Systems and and man, just just been busy. And when we got home Sunday night, I was glad to be home with my family. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a very good weekend for us, that's for sure, racing wise. But you got to have uh, Brett Bear and the special report team uh, on the car. Cool to have that uh, uh, for the weekend, I imagine. Man, watching Brett Bear uh, on Fox, uh, you know, on Fox and uh, special report with Brett Bear Thursday night. Uh, we were down in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And got to catch his show there at six o'clock, and uh, and then meeting up with him on Friday morning at the uh, at the Children's National Hospital in Washington D.C. and just spending time with him, and it was just a it was great, man. The hospital people were wonderful, the staff, the nurses, the surgeons, the children. It was just a man. It was a beautiful thing. It puts it all in perspective on what it's all about you know I, I knew that when my kids were born but you know to see these other beautiful kids from across the world come to the hospital there in Washington DC and see how that hospital and the surgeons and just all the people that make that place work and operate how they change life and children you know change these children's lives it's a beautiful thing man it was just unbelievable and being there with Brett Bear and doing all that stuff with him man just it was just awesome you know only thing could have made the weekend better was to uh, our engine not break. You know what I mean? When the race started Saturday afternoon and, uh, you know, we was only two or three laps into it. We knew we had a engine problem right off the bat and having an engine failure. It, it happens. You do this long enough. It happens. You know, it's just, uh, it's just the way it is. Brett, Brett was there in attendance and man, he was so excited and had his kids there <laughs> and only run four or five laps, man. It was just, uh, <laughs> That was a tough one, you know, but hey, all of all of it, all of us have been doing this a while. And that's just that's part of it, you know. So uh, but man, he was gracious and excited to do another race with us. So uh, it was a, it, all in all, it was just a great weekend racing from the race. Wasn't as great, but just everything and all the people involved was awesome. That's fantastic. Dominic Aragon from the Racing is here with us as always as well. Dom, how we doing? Tyler, doing great. Awesome to be here for Championship May Month. And I, I got to give a shout out to my brother. He played college rugby for the Vatos at New Mexico Highlands University and won a national championship in May of 2019. So kind of a little tribute there to Martin. I know he's been on the podcast here with us before. So just giving a shout out to Martin. I know you're watching. That's fantastic. Well, guys, uh, our guest this week, Adam Alexander, I've known for the better part of a decade uh, through having him on my show from time to time. And it's been a great friend and a great mentor over the years. And he's known David a long time, all the way back to David's days in the truck series. And when he was covering the trucks for Speed Channel, he's covered everything from Indy to Daytona to 
ever, all there is uh, for uh, NASCAR and IndyCar and all sorts of stuff over the last few years. It's uh, Adam Alexander who joins us on Let's Go Racing this week. Double A, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, it's it's great to be with you guys, and I love talking racing, especially this time of year. And and uh, I know I'm meeting Dom for the first time, but but Tyler, you recapped the relationship that you and I have had for many years, dating back to when you were in high school before you even went off to college at Kansas. <laughs> and and David and I crossed paths, gosh, back when I was carrying an MRN <laughs> mic flag. We've known each other for a very long time, so it, it's good to connect with you guys tonight. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, David, I'll let you start. What, 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 how far back do you remember you and Adam going back? Uh, I think you guys have known along, each other longer than I've known Adam. What, what do you remember going back, David? Well, I, you know, I started the truck series back in 1997, 98. And just, you know, I, I don't know what year it was I met Adam. But, man, you know, I think our, our sport, our fans, you know, uh, without the fans, you don't have a sport. You know, they make the sport what it is. But – Television has really done so much for our industry and grown our sport to the, to the great sport it is today. But man, you got to have great commentators, people that are passionate and love what they do. And always Adam. Adam was so great with the uh, you know on television with the microphone. He interviewed uh, all the drivers and everybody. Just the way he brought the sport to the fans was just amazing. He's always been a great guy. Very just a class act, and uh, man, we we've known each other for a long time. I can't remember what year it was, but uh, but I remember when he worked for uh, Motor Racing Network and uh, you know Speed Channel and all that kind of stuff. So he's been it just as long as I have or longer, you know. And uh, thank God for him and, and the sports. If the sport, I believe NASCAR racing is a better sport because of Adam because he does such a great job. Well, I, I appreciate that, David. And I, I got to tell a funny story. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if I was working for Speed Channel or MRN uh, at the time, but I, I was pit reporting, and uh, I was in Evansville, Indiana. That's where my family lived, and, and my wife was from, and, and we were raising our children there. And we went out to dinner uh, one night with my in-laws at a steakhouse, and so we're having dinner. And, and as we're eating dinner, my father-in-law who, you know, is a farmer and into horses and outdoorsmen and all that stuff, he looks over and he says, boy, there's John over there. He said to make sure and, and remind me on the way out, stop and say hi to John. And, and my mother-in-law and my wife say, you know, John who? And he said, John Hamrick. And, and we all, okay. And, and honestly, I, I didn't know John. And, and he said, actually, Adam, John probably like to meet you. John's a NASCAR fan. I said, well, that'd be great. I'd love to say hi to John, you know, whatever you need and everything. And so, so we, we wrap up dinner and we go walking out and, and my father-in-law wasn't a big NASCAR fan. So he probably wouldn't recognize David, but we go over to the table and I'm just anticipating meeting, you know, my, my father-in-law's friend, John. And I look over, I mean, here we are in Evansville, Indiana. I mean, like, and I look over and there's David Starr. And I'm like, David? And David looks at me and, and I'm like, I'm like, what, what are you doing here? And, and so David, you can finish this story. But I, I think the deal was at a neighboring town is where they built the Toyota Tundra. Am I right in saying that? Or that they built Toyotas? Okay. Absolutely. No doubt about it, man. Yeah. And no that, and you were driving a Toyota at the time and you were there and, and there was a horse connection between you and John and Jeff Hammond. And that's what brought you to Evansville, right? 
Absolutely. Toyota asked me to go over to Evansville, Indiana. They have a plant there and they build some tundras there and that Toyota plant they have there in Evansville. And, uh, you know, at the time, I believe I was driving for uh, Tom Loach and Jeff Hammond, Red Horse Racing, yeah. and doing a lot of stuff for Toyota. And uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Hammond said, hey, man, if you're going over to Evansville, Indiana, go by and see John. He's a buddy of mine. And uh, so, man, he gave me John's information, and I called him up, and he said, man, you know, have, uh, uh, Jeff Hammond's a big horse guy. He loves horses, rodeo guys, a tough dude, you know. And uh, so, man, he said, man, John's got a bunch of horses, this and that. So, man, I called John up, introduced myself, and, uh, man, he was real gracious. And he said, hey, if you're in, when you come to town, well, I'll take you to dinner, and we go ride some horses, man. So I believe I spent – you know, I spent two days there, and each day I was there, I was over with John riding a horse, man. It was awesome. <laughs> we had a good, but I couldn't believe, I mean, we're out to dinner one night, you know, you're in Evansville, Indiana, and, you know, you don't think you're going to see any, I mean, you know, you're just, you know, I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I, I didn't think I was going to run into Adam Alexander, you know what I mean? Uh, so, but it was just kind of a, a small world, you know, so uh, pretty cool deal. <laughs> I'll That's say bizarre. this: When I see David Starr, the first thing I think of is that night. That was that was <laughs> truly, truly small world right there. Absolutely small world, man. Small oh. world, no doubt. Well, and, and as I was going back through the archives, trying to look for connections with you two over the years, uh, I, I found that Adam, you had a, a front row seat for uh, for David's little exchange with Todd Bodine there uh, in the truck series a few years back. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, that I feel like there was a period there. I, I felt like the truck series was as good as it ever was when I was working for Speed Channel, which would have been, uh, I worked with MRN Radio, started in like the fall of 2000 up through 06. And then late 06 and, and, and 07 is when I first started working full time in the Camping World Truck Series. But you, know, you had Hornaday and you had Sprague and you had Skinner around and Johnny Benson and Todd Bodine and, and David. I mean, that, that to me, th those years and that group of drivers is the reason the truck series is where it is today. And, and, and I think the dynamic of the series has changed so much because now you have some veterans, uh, but, but so much of the truck series is about the young guy and, and someone who's trying to take the next step. At that time, the identity of the series, I feel like was different. And it was about veteran drivers who loved racing that, that truly embraced what the Camping World Truck Series was all about. And there was a tremendous amount of pride for all those drivers as they tried to go out and not just win races, but of course, uh, win a championship. And of course, now Ron Hornaday, who was a big part of that era, is, is in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But that, you know, that dust up that you talk about was one of many beefs. You know, I, I don't know if I said the name Johnny Benson, but you know, along in that time frame, Johnny Benson won a championship. And even though his path to the truck series was a little bit different. He was another great veteran driver that was around at that time that helped create this unbelievable identity for the truck series. And, and the little rivalry between David Starr and Todd Bodine is just one of the many great stories that I got to cover. It's fascinating. Uh, David, what, what do you remember about those days of, of the truck series like that? Uh, just, just like Adam speaking, you know, it's just, Man, you know, it's just the death of Dry Crawford, Matt Crafton, you know, uh, on and on and on, you know, Johnny Benson and Dennis Setzer and Jack Sprague and 
you know, Ron Hornaday, Mike Skinner. I mean, you go on and on. These guys were hard chargers. You know, they were champ. They were, these guys are champions. Where they came from, they earned the right to be in the truck series. And like Adam was saying, the pride they had because they drove their way there. They earned their right there. And, man, the truck series, God, when you want to race, when you beat Mike Skinner and, you know, Johnny Benson and Jack Sprague and, you know, I mean – Hornaday, I mean, Todd Bodine, I mean, God, it was just stacked. I mean, I remember it was like 15, 16, 17, 18 drivers that could win any given weekend, you know, and if, and if you want to race, I mean, you, uh, you did something that was special, man. It was, they were hard chargers. Uh, it was just, they were just hardcore racers. You know, I remember sitting down lots of times talking to Skinner, talking to Hornaday about, you know, at the time, what we were doing with our front suspensions. And them guys, man, they knew about, you know, how much wedge in the track bar, how big of a front sway bar was we were running and, you know, what we were doing with the front springs. And, you know, we, we split the truck arms underneath the truck. Just, I mean, we started coil binding back then. These guys were on top of it now, uh, then, you know. Now, today, you know, a lot, a lot, you know, because we grew up building race cars and setting them up and, you know, we did uh, those drivers that Adam was talking about in that truck series time. We're talking about those guys knew what they needed in a truck, you know. And kind of today, you know, when I talk to a lot of these great racers that we race with, maybe the younger kids, the younger racers that are really winning races and doing well, when you have a conversation with them about, hey man, you know, how much jack and force, you know, are you pigtailing the left front and the right front, and talking about some shock stuff, and you know. The conversations I once had back in 2003 and four and five and 2006 is not the same conversation I have with a lot of the new drivers I race with today. It's totally different. You know what I mean? There's no right and wrong with any of it, but it just seems like a lot of these drivers that I raced with kind of coming up through NASCAR and the truck series, man, they were on top of their game. You paid attention. You could learn something from them. They were really smart and all of them were great. And today, and, and I, it's, it, you know, I, I could tell a story, but I was talking to one of the drivers that wins a lot. And, uh, and I was asking him about, hey, man, you picked it on the left front. Y'all do rope. And he just said, hey, so said, David, I got to be honest with you, dude. He said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and I was, you know, and I was good with that. You know, I said, hey, dude, I, I respect you, you know, because I was asking some technical questions, you know, just a, a powerhouse team and just understanding what their front suspension looks like at the different tracks because it changes. It just kind of wanted to know, you know, what direction do you always go that same direction? You change it up. And and he was just quite honest with me. And I, and I appreciated that. He just said, hey, dude, I don't have a clue. And, and I was okay with that. <laughs> but that's, that's the difference, man. But those group of guys that Adam's talking about, and, and what Adam said about the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series back then, I mean, there was a lot of pride. I mean, everybody was good. It was tough. And it's still tough today. It's always been tough. And it was just a different time, you know. But, but it was cool. And I was and I'm so thankful, so blessed that I was a part of that group, you know. But amazing. Like Hornaday, you know, a guy I raced with for a long time in the Truck Series, he's in the Hall of Fame. That's a big deal. You know what I mean? That's a real big deal. Yeah, certainly is. And Adam, we, we, we talked about the truck days. Those were, that was your first entry into, uh, into NASCAR. But what about, uh, what about broadcasting as a whole? Where did it all start for you going back to Evansville and such, Adam? 
You know, I started broadcasting as a young guy. I was 16 and in high school, I actually went to high school in Indianapolis and we had a radio TV program and, and I knew I wanted to do this, you know, kind of like you, Tyler, from a very young age. And, and I was fortunate to have some great resources in high school. So that's where it started for me and, and was able to lay a good foundation um, with, with some wonderful people around me in high school, went to college in Southern Indiana for a couple of years and, and education wasn't my thing. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't have any money. And so after a couple of years of college, I said, I need to go work. And, and that's what took me to Evansville. And I was always a stick and ball guy, uh, big in, in basketball, football, baseball, that kind of thing. And started getting some opportunities in motorsports. And David will know this name, Bob Stobbs, uh, that was with Moog Chassis Parts at the time. He was a fixture in a garage area helping teams with parts. He was the Moog representative. His wife, Jan, kept points at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, Indiana. And I started track announcing there, and I was doing a local radio show. And Bob said, you know, have you ever thought about trying to get on an MRN? And, and through Bob and the radio station where I was doing a, a show that was an MRN affiliate, I got an audition and started doing races with MRN in 2000. And that's really what connected me to the motorsports world. And I... I got to be honest, when I started doing races in MRN and it was network radio, I'm like, you know, I, this is it. I mean, I, I, how could it get any better? I mean, I, I just thought I grew up in Indianapolis, which is a hotbed for racing, even though it was IndyCar. And, and then it just started taking off. And, and honestly, I think what made me attractive to MRN was the fact that I wasn't a racing guy. I, I think they liked that I brought this versatile background of doing other sports and other things. And, and that's what opened doors. And then eventually, um, you know, some of the TV things happened and, and Speed Channel and then Speed turned into FS1. And, and here we are today. Man, uh, quite the journey, no doubt about it. And along the way, you mentioned uh, not only you had the MRN stuff, but also getting to cover the IndyCar side as well. We mentioned this championship May we're talking about, this uh, important month. How cool was that when you as a kid from Indiana got to be a part of the, the Indianapolis 500 coverage? Here, here's, a, here's a great lesson in life. Don't ever be dishonest, <laughs> but sometimes you don't have to tell all of the story, okay? <laughs> so, so I... I was uh, in college in Southern Indiana and I wanted to get experience. So I just start cold calling TV stations. And one of the, the stations that I cold called was WTHI in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I just said, I'm a student at Vincennes University. I want to come hang out with the sports department, do anything I can to gain experience and, and learn a little bit. And they said, well, shoot, you, you can come up anytime you want and we'll, we'll take your free services. So I did. Well, the guy that was the sports anchor there at the time was a guy named Mike King. Well, the, the, the TV station at that time was owned by the Holman family who, who owned, you know, the Indianapolis wow. Motor Speedway. So, so they were very big into racing. And uh, as, as I started transitioning out of college and into my career, I see that Mike King is going to become the voice of the Indianapolis 500. And I'm like, wow, unbelievable. I interned with Mike and, and now he's the voice of the 500. So a couple of years later, I'm doing my first ever truck race. I had never, ever done a race for MRN. And I go to Texas Motor Speedway. Well, that weekend, the truck series was partnered with IndyCar. So I go walking through the garage. And um, this is like November, okay, of 2000. I go walking through the garage. And who do I bump into? Mike King. And and Mike Mike's like, Adam? And I'm like, Mike, how you doing? Congratulations. I 
I never reached out, but man, you're the voice of the 500. That's awesome. And he said, your work I have on the MRN shirt, literally an hour earlier, they gave me my first MRN shirt. I just put it on. <laughs> and, and, and Mike says, you work for MRN radio. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, wow. I mean, MRN radio does so, so many amazing. I mean, if you can work for MRN, you ought to come back and work on the 500. And I'm like, yeah, you know? And I'm telling you the next spring, he calls me up and signs me up. And I, I mean to tell you, I had never worked a race in my life, but, but that speaks to the, the reputation that MRN radio carries. And, and because of that, Mike believed in me and brought me in and I started working the 500. I did pit road uh, in 2001, two and three. And then I wow. went to a turn in four, five and six. And, and then I, I started doing the TV thing and, and it just kind of became impossible for me to go do the 500 anymore. Man, I love that story, Adam. You know why I love the story? Because, man, you know, things like things, I mean, I, I love hearing your story because the, all these great things and you meet people, but the, the hard work and wanting something bad and calling up a radio station and say, hey, man, I, I want to get, get, get experience and I'll work for free. Man, that, when you did that, you wouldn't work for free, but you met, you built relationships that not too far down the road, you benefited from those relationships, you know, and I just love hearing those stories, man. That's awesome. I mean, just, it's just, I don't know. It's such a cool story because MRN just gave you a shirt probably an hour or two hours prior to seeing Mike again. And then being a part of that big radio network just, just gave you so much credibility and knowing Mike I mean, it's such a cool story, man. I love it, man. And this kind of stuff, people say, well, it's luck. I got luck. No, no, no. It's called hard work, determination, and being really good at something that you love. So I love it, man. It's a cool story. Well, thanks. I mean, and, and that's, you know how things are, that the dots just start connecting, right? And, and that's how it's always been. And I, I never in my life would have guessed I'd be doing racing for I mean, the better part of my career, right? And now I've reached the point where I, I hope I keep doing it, you know? I mean, you, um, and, but it's been, it's been an unbelievable ride and many great people along the way and, and of course, many great stories to tell. So it, it's awesome. And what have been some of your biggest lessons working in motorsports and working media and motorsports over the last two decades? What would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned over that time? Well, I think what David just touched on, Dom, and, and that's building relationships. And, and I just did some media training with some kids that are, you know, young drivers that, that want to, you know, make it big in motorsports. And, and, you know, those around them want to make them a little more well-rounded and not, not just about driving the race car, but understanding everything that comes with that as you grow your career. And, and so I came in and I talked to them and I, I told them, I said, you know, building relationships and being a good communicator is a universal tool that will help you with your friends. It'll help you with your spouse. It'll help you at, at work. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If, if you build relationships and you're a good communicator, these are things that will serve you in everyday life forever. Um, but, but the one thing I think that's so important for anybody as a driver is understanding that the media relationship can't just be when that microphone's in your face. It, it has to come other times. And, and so if you can develop those relationships, your story's going to get told properly. And if you have a day where things are heated and David's been there, right, that media member is <laughs> going to give you some time to gather your thoughts 
instead of just jamming that microphone in there and you say something that you regret. And, and now this, this relationship is torn that never had a chance to get going. And, and so I say that because the one thing I have learned and, and I've, you know, try to go to lunch and, and have meetings outside of, of the media setting with, with teams, whether it be drivers, crew chiefs, whatever, because I, I feel like you have to see the human quality in people. And, and sometimes when you're on our side of it, race car drivers just become that guy behind the wheel, this guy with a helmet. It's not David Starr who's, you know, got children and is just, he's a, he's just an everyday guy. He becomes a race car driver and we measure David by the stats on a page. And when we do that, we get disconnected from the, the human side of things. And, and there's this human element that's got to stay involved. And so I think the more you build relationships, the better opportunity you have to evaluate people fairly. And, and I think that's twofold. I think, you know, I don't want to be that guy on TV. You know, I want to be Adam and, and I just happen to be on TV. And so I think that, that if you build those relationships and you maintain that human quality, that is where you have a chance to really benefit from it. So that, that's a little bit deep maybe, and maybe that's not what we were going to get into, but I, I got to tell you, that's something that I've learned and uh, it served me well, you know? Man, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. I good love insight. that. No, it's yeah. no doubt about it. it's not too deep. It's 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 good stuff. It's educational and it's it's like you said, it's it's well whatever industry you're in, spouse, girlfriend, family, friends, business. I mean, what you just talked about will get you through life. You know what I mean? And I love that. And and you know, like Tyler and, and Dominic, one of the things when we started our podcast. One of the things we talked about was, you know, all the different drivers and the different personalities in our sport. You know, we know their accomplishments. We know who they are. And we know they're awesome race car drivers and an awesome crew chief or awesome team owner. But but you really want to know the person, you know, you know, we had Mike Skidder on here, you know, and and I know Mike. He was my teammate. You know, he was one of my idols. Just a great friend. But, you know, it's, it's great to know the person. Hey, man, you know, tell me about your mom and dad. How would you grow up? Take us back to the beginning. And, and like you said, Adam, you get to learn who this person is. Not We know they're a great race car driver, but who are you outside the race car? You know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of a cool thing. It's I, I love hearing people's story. I think it's kind of inspiring, you know, just, just hearing you speak and talking about walking, you know, making phone calls and, and saying, hey, I – I want to get experience. I'm free help. Can I come tag along and learn? And man, that, that, that phone call and doing that, just, I mean, look, look, look at you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool. If you can listen to people and get to know them, man, it's, it's inspiring and it's kind of cool to learn people's stories. You know what I mean? Well, I've always said people have a story to tell and you know, (laughs) it's, it's funny, um, you know, in the preparation process and doing Xfinity races, uh, you, you connect with people and, and, and I don't, I don't like doing races without having connected with people in them and, and having some understanding of, of what their story might be. Um, because you never know when, when they're going to be a factor in the race and, and you're going to be taxed with needing to talk about that person. And, you know, this, this might be their moment and, and you want to be able to tell that story properly and, and give them the credit they deserve for the moment they're in. And, and I think about Matt Jaskell, who, you know, was racing over the weekend and what happened to him. And, you know, he gets up on top of Jesse Little. And I had talked to Matt before he made his debut at Martinsville a number of weeks ago and whatever. And so it's just one example. I mean, you, you never know um, 
who you're, who you're going to come across and, and when you're going to have an opportunity to share something. And so you always have to be working to build relationships and do the homework and meet the people so you can tell their story. Because as you said, David, everybody, everybody's got a story to tell. And, and you never know um, when, when that story might spark an interest or inspire somebody if, if you have an opportunity to share it. Absolutely. And Adam, speaking about Matt, Matt, uh, I can't say his name, last name, Gaskell. <laughs> Matt, he's my teammate, you know, drives a car along the 13 car. But what an interesting dude, man. I mean, Matt, we just, man, when the first time I met him, it's like, man, we just, we hit it off right from the start. He's, man, he's telling me he's jumping out of planes and, you know, he's an IndyCar racer, raced with A.J. Amendinger. And, you know, he left, he left uh, Dover, Delaware. He flew to Indianapolis. You know, he spots for uh, Marco Andretti for the Indianapolis 500. Matt is a spotter. I yeah, mean, we, we told that story <laughs> on the air. I couldn't, yeah. I had no idea. I, yeah, cool stuff, man. So, you know, just what little I hung around Matt and understanding his racing background and, you know, him leaning on me a lot for advice about this and that. I mean, what a great guy that has a great story and uh, pretty cool, man. It's just, it's cool. To, if you got enough time to slow down and listen to people and talk to people and get to know them, man, they just got such a cool story. And I just thought it was cool hearing you talk about Matt because, man, I fell, fell out of the, I fell out of the race. I was, I was dead last. I was the first one to fall out of the race on lap five, you know. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I had talked to Matt about the racetrack and how you run Dover. That was his first time there. And, no, no practice, no laps. And the, he was doing a great job. And circumstances, they had a big wreck. Jackie, Jesse Little got loose and spun to the inside. And Matt was fine. He was going to be okay. He got hit from behind, and which pushed him into the wreck. But man, he almost flipped over. It was just nuts, you know what I mean? And uh, but what a, what an interesting, cool guy, you know what I mean? And it's cool to hear you talk about him because it's like, wow, Adam knows the story. <laughs> you know, it's kind of neat. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what's the number one thing people want besides money. It's on authenticity. You know, they want that story Absolutely. to be told. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder that the folks at Waterburger cook up 100% pure beef burgers 24 hours a day. You can get your burger fixed anytime there or not at Waterburger. Proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. So, Adam, there was a stretch of just a lot of big things that happened for you from getting the TNT gig to Speed Center, then Race Hub, and then the Xfinity gig. When was the point that you felt like you had, you had made it of some sorts uh, in that run that, that you were on there of those, those several years? You, you know what? There's There's been so many defining moments for me, Tyler. And, and as I talked about, there's been a, a great amount of right place, right time. And... I remember when I was working for MRN and uh, Kim Novak and Jason Avery, who are two of our producers at, at Fox Sports now, they were working with speed at the time. And when drivers would fall out of the race, blow an engine, go to the care center, I was always as the, you know, one of the, the lower level pit reporters at MRN, I'd go to the care center. I mean, I was typically that guy or I would go to the garage and I loved to hustle. I was working on pit road with Jim Phillips and Winston Kelly who are two wow. icons in the history of MRN radio. And they, they like to stand out on pit road and I like to hustle, man. I wanted to go get it. So I, I would go back to the care center of the garage. Well, when I would get there, Kim and Jason would be gathering sound bites for that week's material of the drivers that had fallen out of the race. So I developed relationships with them and 
we, you know, we'd have to work together on who's going to go first doing the interview, whatever. So anyhow, there were going to be some opportunities at Speed Channel in 2007. And they were really pushing me, you know, to get involved. So I, I gave my take to Kim. And Kim said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give your take to Chris Long. And uh, Chris Long at that time was like the vice president of Speed. And I, I called Chris and I emailed Chris. And, you know, Chris would respond and say, meet me this weekend. And I'd go to meet Chris and he wouldn't be there. And, you know, we, we, had, we had a million disconnections. But finally, we connected. And it was funny because Chris was a guy that was pretty aggressive. And, and Chris brought me in for a meeting. And then as we're sitting there, we're meeting, Chris starts calling in other people. And I'm like, you know, who are these people? And they're producers for speed that do the coverage of the truck series. And, and Chris is like, Adam's going to be on the air with us. You know, he's going to do a race and we're going to see how he does. And we're going to audition him. And they're like, okay. And I can tell they don't know anything about this. Right. <laughs> but Chris jumped on my bandwagon and, and he helped me get an opportunity and everything went well and, and boom. And I land that. And then, you know, the TNT thing, I was trying to get on with TNT as a pit reporter when I took the job at speed doing the trucks and Jeff Binky remembered me. And, and when they had an opening a few years later, he called and, and then eventually I got to audition for that booth deal. And, and I got to tell you, when I got the play-by-play -play job for TNT, that, that changed the way people viewed me, even at speed, even though I was already working at speed, them knowing that someone else had that kind of faith in me, it, it just kind of changed the way people evaluated my work and, and what they were willing to allow me to do. And, and that really probably is what put me in as good a position as anything. Oh, yeah. Well, and then on top of that, with what you're doing now with the Xfinity Series and then Race Hub, I mean, that has become the stable, stable of the sport. You know, I mean, you guys have uh, you've been there from Speed Channel to FS1. The ratings have always been fantastic. I mean, that's... Uh, that, that's become uh, the place that people go to. I mean, for, for weekday NASCAR coverage, no one has done it like you guys have and been successful for a long time now. You know, we started that show in 2009, which is phenomenal. I mean, you think we're, we're coming up on 12 years and, and two networks, right? We were Speed Channel and then it transitioned to, to FS1 uh, when we made that move in the fall of 2013. And it's been remarkable. And, and I'll, I'll say this, I mean, you mentioned the ratings thing. If, if you look at the pool of viewership for a sports show, it's enormous, right? I mean, you're talking NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever. The pool for a daily NASCAR show is fairly small when you look at the big picture. And, and to be able to maintain with a niche show like that over the long haul is, is really, to me, it's just a tribute to the race fans. I mean, that, that's, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can talk about producers and directors and executives and, whatever the reality is if the fans didn't embrace the sport and and love it like they do a show like nascar race up just just wouldn't have made it this long so it's it's pretty remarkable that it's made it this long and it's it's certainly been fun to be a part of that journey oh yeah certainly so uh great point and uh, of all the stuff that you've seen over the years we, we talk about the the sport and the evolution of it uh, what, what do you make of the, the state of NASCAR where it's at right now compared to what, what you've seen over the years uh, right now, Adam? I feel like NASCAR is on the climb right now. I, 
you know, I, I know that there was that period, gosh, when I really first got involved, that it was skyrocketing, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. It was, just, I mean, David knows it was just crazy. The crowds. I mean, David, you remember, I just think of Texas. We, we go to Texas for a standalone truck race and it would be, I mean, it was, it was outrageous, the kind of crowds for a truck 80, race. 80,000, 90,000 people for a truck race. It was unbelievable. It was. Unbelievable. I mean, I remember like, we had to strategize on where we parked to get out because you couldn't, you just couldn't get out. I mean, the traffic was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so, obviously, you know, thing there was a bit of a downturn. We we know that, and I don't know that the sport ever reaches that level again because I just feel like entertainment has changed, and there's so many options now. But I I do think if you look at some of the moves that have been made and the adversity that's been overcome in the last year with the pandemic and the next-gen car, and, and the racing on track, and the personalities. Uh, the most popular driver in the sport wins the championship. I just, I, I believe when you evaluate it, the sport right now is headed in a very positive direction. And I thought that I met with Steve Phelps in the fall, like October maybe of 2019. We did a sit-down interview with him, and, and there really wasn't, it was just kind of a state of the sport kind of thing. There was really no reason other than, than he was available and they gave us an opportunity. And I just remember doing that interview and thinking, wow, like, I like his vision. Like, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about it and whatever, but it seems to me like there's some good things in place. Little did we know six months later, you know, the sport was going to shut down for a couple of months because of the pandemic. But I do believe the, the ideas and the vision that they had then and that foundation they had laid with a plan is what allowed NASCAR to survive like it did throughout the last year and what will give it a, a full opportunity to grow into the future. And, and I would say, I mentioned Steve Phelps, Ben Kennedy, and, and David, you know Ben, and probably raced against him. And you know, Absolutely. I, I think that guy is sharp, sharp, sharp. And, and he doesn't need the credit. He doesn't welcome no. the credit. <laughs> he just, he just kind of lays over in the weeds. Don't don't let that attitude fool you. That guy is a decision maker and a player, and he he is going to be an enormous part of the future of the sport. I believe. I, I believe he is the future of the sport. You know, and man, I love I love your your answers, Adam. You know, because man, I think our sport is you know it's climbing back up. You know, there's the the there's good things of racing, man. Just when they drop the green flag and all three of NASCAR's three national series. The racing is so good. The cup racing for the last two, three, four years has been phenomenal, you know, and uh, seeing Chase Elliott win the championship, the most popular driver, and just, man, there's just so much good stuff going on. People are buzzing right now about NASCAR racing, and, and I say that because of the sponsor meetings and the sponsor interest that I'm getting, new companies, new people wanting to be part of a great sport, and I just see so many great things. And it's interesting, Adam, to, to hear you having a meeting with, with our president of our industry back in 2019 and seeing their plans and what their vision, their vision was for the future. I mean, what, that, you know, being able back then to hear that and to see all the great things that are going on. And I think our sport's in really good shape. And I think the future's really, really big. Absolutely. And, you know, Adam, I want to ask you too, because, I mean, I don't think you get a lot of credit for this. When you look at the Xfinity broadcast, is broadcast, excuse me, every week, you're working with different drivers and different crews. I mean, how's the preparation like with that? I know you're working with different guys every week. I mean, what, what's the legwork behind that? And, 
you know, how easy or how difficult is it to be working with a different crew of drivers every Saturday? I got to be honest with you, Dom, I've been broadcasting now for 30 years or whatever it's been. I mean, and, and, and the one thing, and Tyler can appreciate this, the one thing that I've struggled with throughout my career, I always do it, but, but it's the process and, and the landing point that I struggle with, and that is the preparation. How do you prepare? What's too much? What's too little? I do believe confidence comes from preparation, and so I do the preparation every week. But I also feel like sometimes – with the format that we're in now with the Xfinity series and bringing in these unbelievable personalities every week, sometimes you can be too deep into the actual race and you have to step back and let the personalities take you where you need to go. And, and so that, you know, it is a bit of a chore to find that balance. And, and probably the most difficult thing about that is that, you know, two weeks ago I was at Darlington and I was working with Eric Jones and Bubba Wallace. Two young guys. I mean, just laid back everything. You know, I mean, they totally different approach to Saturday at Dover when I've got Brad Keselowski and Kurt Busch, two analytical, you know, guys that are 40 something late thirties. I mean, you can't be more diametrically opposite than that. And, and so it changes my mindset, right. And, and the flow and, and, and your thought process going in and, and what do I need to have on paper and how, how much do we need to talk about the race versus just playing up the personality? So it's been unique. And, um, you know, my, my philosophy has been, I, I crave team. I crave chemistry. I've been doing race hub a lot with, with Larry McReynolds and, and Jamie McMurray on Mondays. And, you know, we get on a conference call or a zoom call and, and we can kind of answer each other's thoughts, you know, when they say, Adam, we're going to talk about Alex Bowman and Greg eyes, where do you want to go? And, and I said, well, man, I, I might set Larry up on, on their relationship. I mean, gosh, at, at Darlington Bowman ran a throwback to Greg Ives. I mean, how cool is that? And Larry's like, well, I had in my notes, you know, this great relationship and the fact that he used his throwback car. So <laughs> I love that chemistry. And, and there's tremendous comfort when you go on the air with someone that you're that familiar with. However, uh, the challenge uh, of working with different people every week is, is one that is great. It keeps you fresh. And, you know, for me, very selfishly, it's rewarding to stand in the booth on a weekly basis with these personalities and to know that when my career's over and I can reflect back and think about some of the people I've shared that booth with, it's truly going to be some of the best ever. And, that, and that's, that's something to be really proud of. And, and I am, and I'm thankful for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and along those same fronts too, Adam, going back to last year when the pandemic shut everything down and NASCAR was the first sport to return Everybody gives NASCAR a lot of credit, but I think Fox deserves a lot of credit too for the way you guys covered the sport and helped bring it back and, and the way that you made it seem seamless of having uh, yourself or you know, whether it was the Sunday crew with Mike and Jeff in the Fox studio or the iRacing stuff too. I mean, you, you guys played a big role in, in NASCAR being as – as bringing a sense of normalcy, I felt with the production value, how good of a job you guys did and what was a diff difficult circumstance. I imagine it was hard to pull that off, but you guys made it look easy. Well, let's face it. You know, we've all learned lessons in the last year and, and some of those have been hard, but I think everyone's become more efficient in the way they do things because we had to. And, and we started, and, and I don't want to make it unique to Fox or TV or, or NASCAR or anything like that, but, but the pandemic pushed a lot of people in a corner. And if you were going to survive, you had to fight your way out. 
And, and we started doing things to survive that we never could have believed possible. I mean, these weren't like ideas that we thought of in meetings and said, maybe someday we'll try this. Quite honestly, we probably thought they were such bad ideas. It's like, there's no way we would ever try that. But because we had to do it and it was the only way to execute the plan, that's what we did. And, and I think through that, we, like so many other people, have learned a, a tremendous number of lessons that will uh, not only get us through a difficult time, but, but quite honestly, will reshape the way we do things in the future. And, and there, you know, there are so many people that deserve credit. I, I look at the iRacing thing that, that we've done, um, and you know, it's back this year, certainly, but last year we did it out of necessity, and, and that was a big hit with the fans. And you know, again, it was just people being willing to try something new and different. And little did we know, you know, something great was going to be born out of that. So uh, there's a lot of people that deserve a, a lot of credit. And I think it speaks to the talent uh, and the ability to be re resourceful of so many. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Uh, a few more things before we uh, get out of here, Adam, that we, we want to have you stick around for. We want to get to our NASCAR News and Notes segment. But before we do that, I want to remind the folks to stop by Whataburger for a hot, hearty breakfast any morning, late or night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Dominic Argon, you have our news and notes this week. Alex Bowman gets to victory lane for the second time in 2021. He's certainly having a career year in that 48 car. Absolutely, Tyler. Alex Bowman closed the deal at Dover International Speedway after Kyle Larson led the most laps. Bowman is now the second multi-winner in the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season. He has four career wins now, like you said, a career year, first multi-year winning season for Alex Bowman. That ties him with drivers like Michael Waltrip, Daytona 500 winner, Pete Hamilton, and Bob Flock for 81st on the all-time wins list. Wow. Adam, we'll start with you. What was your reaction to, uh, to Alex pulling that off and uh, holding off uh, Kyle Larson like he did? You know, obviously track position is a big deal at Dover and, and David knows that. And, and, you know, Larry and I were doing the show on Monday and, and Larry he reminded me that Earnhardt told him a lot of times it's, it's a lot easier to pass guys on pit road than it is on the racetrack. And, and of course, that's how Alex got the lead with that unbelievable pit stop. I, I was surprised. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, if there was going to be a Hendrick driver, Larson was the guy. You just look at his history. And the last time he went to Dover, he won there in, in 19. And, and I like what William Byron's been doing. And even though Chase Elliott started in the back, I mean, he drove, you know, up into the top 10 fairly quickly. And, and I thought he'd be a player. But, but Bowman just kind of methodically, you know, worked his way. They get the big pit stop. And then, and then once he got to lead to his credit, he never gave it up. So he wouldn't have been the guy that I had picked to win. But, you know, having said that, if you look at his history at Dover, he's been pretty good there. And, and now four wins at four different, you know, tracks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for Alex. I, I made the comment on Race Hub this week that, you know, this reminded me a little bit of the Dale Jarrett quote, you know, it took me 15 years to be an overnight success. And, 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 you know, we've all watched Alex at the lower levels and, and even in the starting park days when he just qualify car and pull in a garage, you know what I mean? Like he, and so to see him where he is now and having those opportunities and, and driving an iconic car for a team with, with such a great history is really cool. David, uh, what a weekend for Rick Hendrick. One, two, three, four. First time they've had that since 2005. Man, it's just, you know, not surprising. You know, you, you know, Chase Elliott had a, some kind of, uh, you know, penalty with uh, going through tech, had to go to the back. Of, I think he started did last. Uh, uh, was that right? He started in the back, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, just the Hendrick cars, you know, just 
the last year and a half, man, they've been doing their homework. And, uh, you know, Kyle Larson, what he's done this year, you know, I know he's led a lot of laps and should have won a little bit more races than he has, but he's always there. And, you know, anytime you can, you know, Alex Bowman, I mean, just look at what he's done this year. He's always a threat. He's always up in the top 10, top fives. And, man, when you, like, like Adam was saying, when you got an iconic team like Hendrick Motorsports, and, man, it, it don't get much bigger than that. And, uh, you know, you know, Alex Bowman, I mean, I, he, I'm just so I'm, – I'm happy for him because it, it, he earned it. You know, he's been doing this a long time. And like Adam was saying, he did a lot of starting parts. And, man, he just kept after it, kept after it, and took, took advantage of an opportunity, and now look at him. You know what I mean? So I'm happy for him and his dad, his family. And and uh, wasn't surprised, you know, but uh, it was cool to see. and. You know, to see that happen, I, I don't believe he was the fastest car. He was definitely one of the top five cars, but he wasn't the fastest car, but not always the fastest car wins. You know, it's such a team sport. And, and you know, it's great to hear Adam talk about Dale Earnhardt, you know, uh, to hear, hey, it's it's easier for your for the team to help you pass two or three people on pit road than it is to actually do it on the racetrack, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those deals. I think uh, Kyle Larson's they had a little bit of an issue uh, on pit road with the right rear tire changer and uh, man it didn't take much you know but it was just enough to give Alex uh, the lead off pit road and uh, man it was a great race so it was just exciting but definitely not surprising to me the whole organization is amazing. Dominic uh, Hendrick I mean back to their their dominance of sorts here now Alex Bowman with that second win only behind Truex of the win total list now we got to be talking about him as a championship contender. Absolutely. And we were at the beginning of last year and it seemed like Alex Bowman had kind of cooled off through the summer stretch of 2020, but I think he's just starting to heat up this time around as we look 2021, this time around 14, no 13 races. And he's got two wins already. Hendrick Motorsports definitely looks really strong out of the gate. Yeah, certainly. So, all right, Don, what else we got? So Brad Keselowski, right? He certainly made some headlines this week. Motorsport.com originally reported on May 18th that Brad Keselowski might be taking an ownership and driver role for the 2022 season. And out of your company, Fox Sports, is also additionally reporting that it's a done deal. Brad Keselowski will be with Roush Fenway Racing, driving the number six team next year at the organization. There's not a definitive amount right now as far as what kind of ownership role, how much percentage that is, what that's going to look like for Keselowski, or what that would mean for Ryan Newman. Does Roush Fenway get back to a three-car organization? That will be remaining to be seen, but I – would anticipate we're going to hear some sort of official announcement sometime soon. What I was told, Dom, uh, by Bob Pachris, who is, is our great news reporter when it comes to all the headlines in NASCAR, is that, that Team Penske likely will drive the ship on when this announcement is made, just because that's who Brad is contractually obligated to now. And, and even though, you know, all the players on this have been very quiet and won't comment, and you understand, because legally with contracts and all that, there's a lot that goes into a deal like this. Um, but, but what I would say is that, that while people are quiet, Bob seemed to think that there's a tremendous amount of confidence uh, that where there's smoke, there's fire. And this deal likely will get done if, if something hasn't already been, you know, agreed to it at this point already. So big move. But, but I think when you look at Brad and, and the stage of life he's in and how much longer he has to drive a race car and, and what's a next logical step for him, uh, what's, what's the future look like for Roush Fenway if they don't have an infusion 
uh, of youth on the ownership side. And, and I've always felt like that's one of the bigger concerns in NASCAR uh, when you look down the road is, is the age of some of the owners, because a lot of these guys have been around a long time and, and who steps in and fills the void. And, you know, we're starting to see that a little bit now with Matt Collig getting involved and, and Justin Marks and his team and, you know, Denny and, and Michael Jordan um, and, and, you know, Tony Stewart across the board, we're seeing that transformation happen. And this will be another step in that direction. So uh, silly season starts earlier and earlier every year, and we're not even to the Coke 600. And here we go. Absolutely. David, I, I want to get your take on this. Do you think, I mean, we know Brad Kozlowski has that entrepreneurial spirit and he's always expressed ownership or he's wanted to have ownership in a NASCAR Cup Series team. Is this the resurgence? Is this kind of the shot in the arm that Roush Fenway Racing will get with Kozlowski next year at the organization? Oh, no doubt about it. Have a, uh, you know, Ryan Newman, you know, you, you can't take away what Ryan Newman brought to that organization and has brought to it and continues to bring to it. But to have a, you know, uh, Brad Kislowski come over and, and hey, man, you know, like Adam was saying, you know, how much longer does Brad want to compete at the level he's competing at? You know, uh, you know, a lot of it's sponsorship driven and, and, you know, his desires, he might have an exit strategy. You don't know if it's five, six, eight years or whatever it may be. But, you know, you look at Tony Stewart, you look at what Jeff Gordon's doing and, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, just look at, the owners, you know, you look down pit road, look at the age of a lot of the owners we got, you know, it was concerning a couple of years ago, but man, we're seeing, we're seeing some cool things happen in our sport and some new younger people come in as owners. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for Brad, you know, he knows what his strategy is, how much longer he wants to compete at the, at the, at the highest level. And, and, uh, man, you know, you think about, Hey, when I, when I, when I want to step away and retire, you know, you really don't want to ever step away from the sport if you love it like we all do. You know, we, we want to participate as long as we can and make a, a, a lifelong career out of it, you know. And uh, and for Rouse Fenway to come to Brad and to offer him an ownership role, I, I think it's a I think it's a great opportunity. And I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for Rouse Fenway to know that their future is going to, you know, it's like I'm almost always thinking, you know, Rouse Fenway, you know, who's you look at the Jack Roush, I see him, I've, we, we've seen him and known him for years, you know, but he's starting to slow down a little bit, you know, and uh, a, a lot, to be honest with you. I mean, you used to see him in the garage. I mean, he was on top of, he was reading spark plugs. He was talking to the crew chiefs. I mean, he was so engaged with his teams. And just over the years, you know, you don't see him as much. And obviously the last year with the pandemic we, we've had, uh, but, man, I look at Jack Rouse's age and thinking, you know, what is the future of, of Rouse Fenway racing, you know? And, and man, that news we're here, there's a future right there. It's Brad Kozlowski. You know, the passion he has, the desire he has. And, you know, I think he's a guy to take Rouse Fenway into, you know, into new new levels and get it back to where it once was. And, uh, you know, him as a driver and him, what he does for the sponsors, I think it's, I think it's a home run for everybody involved. RFK Racing, uh, I guess, would be what you could call it. Adam, I look at this, not only does it seem like a natural fit for Brad being a Ford guy going to a Ford team, already having that relationship there, but what about Matt Benedetto? I mean, this guy, uh, Matt, you know, every year he's trying to figure out his situation. I would think that this looks good for Matty D to try to figure out his uh, position, whether it's staying with the Wood Brothers or 
potentially replacing uh, Keselowski in that two car. He and Cindric got to be feeling pretty good right now, I imagine. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and I don't know where all the, the free agents are uh, when you look at the landscape of NASCAR and what the, the 2022 lineup will, will look like. But there's no question that Matt Benedetto is up at the end of the year. And we know that Cindric's going cup racing. Now, uh, the question becomes if Brad does, in fact, leave the two car and go to Roush Fenway, uh, does, does Matt Benedetto have an opportunity to slide over and replace Brad and, and drive the two car? Or, or do you just go ahead and put Cindric over there and, and keep him, you know, under the Penske umbrella and keep him in the family and, and, and bypass the move that he was anticipated to make uh, to the 21 car and the Wood Brothers next year? And, you know, I, I believe that Cindric, what he's doing at the Xfinity level is capable of handling either situation, whether you keep the plan in place as it is now and, and fill the two seat with someone else. Or I, I think I think Austin's a kid that um, can can handle the two car ride if he's asked to do that. I, I do know, you know, you don't want to go too fast too quickly, and and there is a, a family connection there, obviously with his dad Tim, and and maybe they don't want to make that that connection and, and tie those um, items together, you know, right away. So who, who knows? A lot of decisions to be made, but but Cindric and De Benedetto might benefit the most from from this announcement if if and when it happens. Yeah, certainly. One more for you before we get to uh, our Ask David segment here real quick. Uh, uh, this weekend going to Dakota, Adam, uh, you know, we, we always talk about new racetracks for the drivers. You as broadcasters, this is your first trip out there, right? Have you been out to Dakota uh, before? This should be a pretty interesting experience. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about prep earlier, and, and I've been watching a lot of tape, man. I'm telling you, it'll this place will wear you out. I mean, I, I can't imagine being a driver and a crew chief and all that comes with the teams that prepare the cars for this place. But as, as a broadcaster, it's it's a little bit of where do you start and uh, a lot of homework and, and learning the track and not just the players. And, and David knows the driver lineup in the Xfinity series is going to look a little different this week because of, uh, you know, some road racers coming in and some cup drivers trying to get some extra seat time on Saturday. But I'm I can't wait. A lot of anticipation, and, and this will be fun and a neat experience, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing this place. David, you got the week off. Boris Sid's going to hop in for you, but I imagine you're excited to see a race there in your home state, uh, even if it's not Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, hey, no doubt about it. It's just a world-class. I mean, when you they built this speedway for, uh, for, for Formula One racing, you know, and uh, but, man, it's beautiful. Uh, it's challenging, you know, a lot of elevation changes. It's just a beautiful uh, facility. And to see NASCAR come there, all three NASCAR series, uh, it's going to be – everybody's excited. Uh, all my friends and some of the sponsors I have that live in the area, they said, man, the buzz. The buzz has been big the last month about NASCAR coming to Austin, Texas. So, uh, it, you know, it's I, I'm excited. I, I'm saddened that I won't be a part of it. I will be there representing my sponsor and my team and, you know, and hope and hopefully all, all my teammates do a great job. But, man, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I can't wait. A lot of in anticipation of how it's all going to turn out. But, uh, man, I know the fans are going to be coming out. It's just it's exciting, man. And I love it because it's exciting for our industry, our sport, you know, and it's just one of the things that we talked about the health of NASCAR racing, the health of our industry. And that's just one thing that just says how great it is. You know, I think it's just on the upline big time. And uh, I'm excited to see how the weekend turns out. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, the, the other thing I look at too, Adam, is that with a new track, 
with all the parity we've seen throughout the year this year NASCAR, who's the favorite? I, I can't pinpoint to one name <laughs> off the top of my head. Is there someone that comes to mind who's the guy to beat this weekend right off out of the gates, Adam? Well, the, the two for me, I, I think when you go road racing right now at the cup level, the, the two names you always put at the top are Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. I mean, they, they've won, you know, the vast majority of the road races in recent years. And, and I think, you know, Chase was going for five in a row, I believe, on a road course at Daytona earlier this year. So he, he obviously has been on fire and, and doing so at multiple uh, road courses. And uh, and they both tested out there. You know, they were a part of the test earlier this year. So I I would say advantage 19 and nine. Uh, but having said that, you know, Austin Sendrick and A.J. Allmendinger, both are going to run the cup race on Sunday and and they're tremendous road racers. And so chance of weather, you know, the rain could play a huge role and in, in maybe, you know, swaying the advantage to some of those guys that have road racing experience. So we'll see. David, give me one name. <laughs> Adam just talked about, you know, just, uh, you know, Chase Elliott. You know what I mean? Just what he's done on the road courses the last couple of years, just been impressive. You know, Martin Truex Jr., you know, we're just sitting here thinking about it. A.J. Amadinger, you know, and, uh, you know, there's so many that really are just great road racers. And uh, I just think it's going to be a great race. And uh, I'm excited to, 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 to watch it all. And, you know, and, and, you know, there's some different elements that might play into the outcome of the race, you know, but you never know what the weather's going to play like. There's supposed to be some rain in the forecast. And, man, there's just – there's a lot of question marks, you know, but the, the enthusiasm is there with everybody. The excitement's there. So, uh, hopefully, it just turns out to be just a heck of a race. Yeah, hopefully so. Uh, Dominic, who do you like? Man, to piggyback off Adam and David, got to go A.J. Allmendinger. <laughs> and honestly, seeing the public racing guys run well at the Daytona Road Course in the Cup Series, I think gives validation to that. They did finish in the top 10, so I don't think it's out of question to think Allmendinger could get up and lead some laps like he did in the Daytona Road Course in February. I would be surprised if he doesn't. And another name to watch out, too, I think, Michael McDowell. He's kind of an established road racer, and he ran really well at the Road Course race. A guy like Ryan Priest, maybe some dark horse picks for Sunday. For the sake of being, for the sake Ryan. of being different, I would throw in Christopher Bell. I love what he did at the Daytona Road Course, and and if nobody has experience uh, at this thing, then why not go with a, uh, the young guy that's won a road course this year? We left out one name, Ryan Blaney. I was impressed with him at the Daytona Road Race. You know that was yeah. impressive. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a great race. Be interesting who who comes out on top. Yeah. Final segment before we get out of here today, time for our Ask David segment, where we ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us out there. And this segment brought to you by, of course, by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot, and prepared just like you like it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Adam, our first question uh, comes in from Mark on Twitter at IA Pats fan. He writes, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing the Xfinity series right now? I feel pretty good about where the Xfinity series is. Uh, you know, this weekend is going to be a little bit of a, a throwback in that we got a bunch of cup drivers that are running on Saturday and, and we just haven't seen a, a good deal of that in recent years. And, and I feel like, you know, a lot of times when they come down and run, it's like, ah, you know, like you, you like to see this series regulars getting all the limelight. Um, I think this weekend it'll be embraced a little more just because of the magnitude of, of code and all that. Across the board, though, I, I think the, the series right now is healthy. The competition is deep. 
and and the identity of this series is as good as it's been in, in, in quite some time. So I, I don't I don't really have any challenges. And I, I know that's walking the company line a little bit, but I feel good about it. What say you, David? Man, I, I second Adam. I mean, I stand, I mean, it's right on what he's saying. I mean, just uh, you look at the teams and the sponsors involved and the racing, the racing's good and, and the young the young talent we have in the Xfinity series right now, you know, there's, there's a lot of future stars. We're going to see, we're going to be talking about years to come in the cup series that are competing in our Xfinity series today, you know? So, uh, I mean, I, 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 I totally agree with Adam. You know, I just think the Xfinity series is in great shape. The race is great. A lot of the teams have great sponsorship. And uh, I mean, I think it's in great shape. Future's big for us. What do you think, Dominic? I'd agree with that. Again, piggybacking off the statements, but you, you really look at the racing on across all three series and all, all three of it's really good. I got to say, I do look a little more forward to the Saturday Xfinity races a lot of times more often than not because the parody, I mean, we do have that in the cup series as well, but I mean, just the, the teams, the drivers, there's a very good variety, I think in the NASCAR Xfinity series. And then you, like you said, you have this young crop of talent that keeps coming up through the Xfinity series to the cup series. And the racing is just as great as I can ever remember, even back to the NASCAR Bush and the NASCAR nationwide series days. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with all that. I would say that, uh, you know, the, the big thing is still trying to establish those names and those stars um, more of those, but I, I think things are on the right track of turning those guys into household names uh, on that front. One more question. Uh, this one comes from Gary on the email inbox. Uh, Gary wants to know, Adam, uh, we, we've heard you call a lot of NASCAR, but I hear you do football and basketball <laughs> games from time to time. Uh, what do you make of, of doing that, of calling other sport events? What else do you like to do? I do enjoy college basketball. That, that's kind of where my career was founded. So I love doing a little college hoops. Had a chance in the off season, uh, off NASCAR season, uh, back in, in the winter months, to do a couple of games with Bill Raftery, who is just, uh, I mean, he's an iconic figure in college basketball. So that was really special for me, a, a treat for me in my career. Uh, but I love college basketball. I'm a football fan. Wh whatever they need me to do, I'll jump in and uh, and appreciate those opportunities. And and it's uh, it's nice to have a little change of pace every once in a while when I'm not working the NASCAR circuit. Oh yeah, certainly. You know, I, I gotta say this, uh, Adam. Uh, if you ever need David for anything, I mean, he he would be glad to hop in anytime. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> hey man, uh, what I was when I was up in Pennsylvania, went to Reading, Pennsylvania. We were having dinner one night with Missy and Rich Fix, and uh, you know we're talking about TV covers. They're really, you know, the fans of our sport. They're really they're engaged and in tune with what's going on, and, and they were saying, "Man, David, do you ever you ever go back and watch the broadcast?" And I'm like, you know, sometimes and not very often. You know, they said, "Man." It's amazing, you know, with, with the cup drivers uh, commentating on Saturday's race. And uh, I said, really? They said, man, you know, Joey Logano and, and, and uh, uh, the 10 driver of the cup car. Uh, Eric Amarillo. Eric Amarillo. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, they were saying, you know, talking about Bubba Wallace and uh, Eric Jones and then talking about this past weekend. Uh, but they were saying – they said, man, they gave you – it was interesting because to hear you speak about preparation and 
how it flows well and having that chemistry with the same people and then bringing in people that you really have never uh, called a race with before, you know, and it's new for them. Uh, but they were saying, they were saying Adam Alexander does a heck of a job because he's got to control, you know, and kind of some drivers are just kind of laid back. They don't give you much information. Then you got other ones that are really engaged and, Missy was telling me, it's like, man, Adam does such a great job. You know, he, he knows how to balance them all out and make it flow well because some of the drivers are all different in their own way, you know. And she, she just told me that last week, you know what I mean? And then and then finding out that we were going to have you on our podcast this evening and hearing you speak about it, it was really cool. But it just goes to show you that the fans, the race fans that watch the telecast, that they're so engaged in the race and the commentating and what you're doing on TV, Adam, you know, and you spoke about it and we were speaking about how you make that flow, no matter what driver it is, whether they're comfortable with it or not comfortable with it, you make everybody feel relaxed and make it flow. Well, it was a compliment to you. And then it's kind of cool that we were just talking about it and you're on, and we're on the podcast talking about it. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a fun year for sure. Absolutely. That's great. Well, uh, Adam, before we let you go here, uh, tell us what you got going on. I know that uh, Race Hub, of course, is uh, on every night, and uh, you'll have the Xfinity races, the Drivers Only broadcast, I think, is coming up here pretty soon. Tell us about all that's coming up uh, as uh, you guys have these next few weeks here on Fox before you send things over to NBC. Yeah, you touched on it. I mean, we got some big things coming with, with uh, you know, Coda uh, heading off to, you know, the Coke 600. The following weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is such a, a big weekend for race fans. We are doing the drivers only. We got Sonoma left, the all-star race uh, out, out close to David at Texas. So we're, you know, we're excited about that. And, uh, and, and Race Hub will be here. I've been doing some hometown pieces uh, with drivers going to their hometown and, and seeing where they grew up and, and how their story developed. I was with Eric Almarola in, in Florida earlier this year, spent some time with Kurt Busch in Vegas. Uh, Charlotte weekend, I'll be with William Byron, and I'm going to go up to Oklahoma when we're in Texas with Christopher hey, Bell. There we go. So, yeah, so so those pieces are there later this summer, but uh, pretty much business as usual. Race Hub, Race Day, races, we'll, we'll be covering it and looking forward to it on FS1. David, tell us about your week leading up to Coda here. Man, I had I uh, I got a sponsor meeting tomorrow and just kind of catching up. Uh, I've been gone for a couple weeks and uh, catching up being a husband and a dad and uh, spend a little time over at the, at the Texas Motor Speedway with our racing school and uh, you know just a lot going on. Excited to to head over to Austin, take down to Austin, Texas uh, Thursday afternoon and uh, and 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 bring in the Coda weekend and then getting back to. To Charlotte, I'm, man, I'm always excited, man. The month of May and and having having the Coca-Cola 600 racing at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the Xfinity Series, and having the Coca-Cola 600. I love racing on Saturday. I mean, it's just a it's such a great weekend of racing. It's my favorite weekend. You know, I love Daytona 500 weekend. I love Speed Weeks, and then you you know you get to May, you got the Indianapolis 500. Man, I wake up early and I'm Man, I'm, I'm such a big fan, and uh, and then you back that up with the Coca-Cola 600. Man, it's just a there's a lot of cool stuff cut right in front of us that I'm excited about. So uh, it's gonna be a great weekend this weekend, and the whole rest of the month of May is gonna be awesome for our industry. No doubt, no doubt about it. Dominic, what's going on? The racing experts this week. 
We'll continue to cover the sport. We'll continue to cover the daily news going on in the industry, not only NASCAR, but everything else. But, hey, kind of twofold, too. I want to circle back to why I'm wearing this shirt. So we talked about Championship May month. My brother is a national champion when it came to playing college rugby. But over the weekend, my brother graduated with his bachelor's in health education with a minor in coaching from Highlands University in Las Vegas, New Mexico. So everybody talks about how they look up to their older brother, their older sister. It's the opposite here, man. I'm, I know you're listening, Marthy, and I'm really proud of you. And I know you've been on the show. So just really, really humbled to be able to be there on the front row seat watching you accomplish and kick life's ass. Oh, that's awesome. That's great that to see. Awesome. We got to go. We got to put the checkered flag out of this show. Adam, thanks for stopping by and joining us, man. Always a pleasure. Anytime uh, we can chat and catch up. And uh, we look forward to hearing you on the call on uh, FS1 this weekend. And uh, we'll see you all next week here on uh, Let's Go Racing. Reminder, as always, subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit that like button. We certainly would appreciate that. Twitter, at Star Podcast. Facebook, David Star Podcast. And email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For Adam Alexander, Dominic Aragon, and David Starr, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. <laughs>